0: and DSL- Back to the Nick's State of Mind podcast, we're back here with a packed show today. I'm your host Danny Small, alongside my co-host Chip Murphy, longtime friend of the show Colin Loring, and then special guest Your Own Weitzman. Your Own is an NBA writer uh, who wrote Tanking to the Top, which I got actually back behind here on my uh, my bookshelf oh, nice. right now. <laughs> a little little plug there for you. Your um, Own is an NBA writer, and we're bringing him on today to kind of talk a little bit about the Knicks front office situation, kind of their outlook going forward. Um, own, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Um, so I'll just pass it off to Chip because Chip will get us started here and then we'll just kind of, uh, we'll hit the ground running.
1: Yeah, Own, thanks
2: a lot for coming on the show. And you did a lot, you did great reporting for the New York Post on the, the Knicks front office, which has been very mysterious. We don't really know a lot, but the inner workings there. Leon Rose has, Barely spoken to the media. I think one interview with Mike Breen was the only time he actually spoke to the media. There was and also, it, uh, he joined Thibodeau on his introductory press That's campaign. right. Yeah. That's right. And in your book, uh, Tanking to the Top, Danny just mentioned, you talked about how when you were uh, researching the Sixers, they tried to limit your access to the players and the personnel. So you had to rely on background interviews I think you even mentioned like getting a story from Jason Richardson's manager or someone like that so I wanted to know how this Knicks front office it uh it compared if at all to Sam Hinkie's Sixers front
1: office it's actually so, okay so from that perspective they're very different um mm-hmm. this was the big, big um, misconception and it's it's come out a little more recently um, in years, as people have talked about this, Sanhiki talked to reporters a lot, just not on the record. Right? He would do it. I wasn't around the team then, um, so it wasn't me. Um, him and I had a couple conversations afterward, but. Um, people around the team, like he would sit down and talk to you for an hour, apparently, you know, and get your thoughts on something, or you're writing an article, you can get his thoughts, pick his brain. It was just always off the record or on background or whatever, you know, and for, I guess people don't know the difference is off the record. You're not really supposed to use the information. On background, you can use the information, just not attributed to that source. Um, so that's, you know, when you hear according to sources or whatever, that's on background. Um, so Hinky spoke a lot to reporters. This Nick's regime uh, maybe I'm wrong I don't think they're doing much of that you know I'm background either part of that is the nature of um the COVID setup where you're not around anybody so a lot of that background chatting happens pre if you ever go to a Knicks game you go to any NBA game and you look down during warm-ups you'll see reporters and executives and agents and all that mingling basically on the sidelines while players warm up that's where a lot of that reporting gets done um so that part has obviously been removed this year I And mean, unless you're gonna Unless you can converse with Leon Rose and the Chase Bridge, that's not going to work. Um, the other part, so that part's removed, but I just don't think that's how this group operates. Like they might have a couple people they talk to um, on a national scale, um, but I don't think there's much like day-to-day interactions, calls, texts going on with, hey, here's what's going on, not to be using, but just this is how we're thinking.
2: Yeah, it doesn't... the. Reporting around the Knicks has definitely changed in recent years. It seems to be a lot of stuff like people dealing with the Knicks and uh, sources around the players. And there was a lot of rumors around the trade deadline about Andre Drummond, Lonzo Ball, Victor Oladipo, like that the Knicks were in discussions with uh, those players or interested in those players. But then nothing ended up happening. So based on what you learned about the front
1: office, what did you take away from that? From the fact that nothing happened, you're saying? Yes. Um. So a couple things. One, like – well, in discussions, like this always gets confusing. You know, every team discusses every player with almost everybody or almost every player with almost everybody. So, like, when stuff gets out, it's different. So maybe – I don't know. I'm trying to think the example. You know, the Pelicans aren't going to discuss Zion Williamson, but they'll discuss every other player on their roster. And, and just because you discuss somebody <laughs> – doesn't mean you're going to trade them. It just is what kind. This is how G teams work, right? This is how they operate with one another. It's like, oh, what would it take to be with this? What are you interested? In? What are you? How you value these guys? You keep the conversation kind of going back and forth all the time, um, and that's how this works. Um, especially people who have good relationships, and then sometimes it, get, it gets leaked, right? And that's one of the issues. Um, and the, pe- the leaking can often be I mean, there's two types of ways I guess we're getting into like how the sausage gets made here. The reporting is like either you find something out that like somebody didn't want you to find out, you kind of figure you know, because someone told you something maybe who's lower on the food chain or whatever it be, right? Or somebody wants something out for a reason. And with the free agency stuff, that's all, often what happens. I'm not saying anyone. In this specific case, did that, but it's obviously beneficial if there are multiple suitors. If there's, if teams think there are multiple suitors for somebody, right? Um, So, okay. So the trade deadline, I, I, I don't. I was surprised by two things. One, I was surprised that Knicks were reported. I was surprised by the reports that Knicks were interested in Andre Drummond. I had not heard that. I did not hear that wasn't. I'm not saying it wasn't the case. Just wasn't something on my radar. Um, I assume it is true Um, because that to me tells us say something about Mitchell, their views of Mitchell Robinson. Right. And the other part I was surprised is that they didn't try to match the heats um, package for Oladipo. Not that I think Oladipo is very good, but just they give up so little. I feel like if the Knicks had offered, you know, Kevin Knox, who's out of the rotation, but Houston could mark it as a lottery pick who's younger than half the guys going to be drafted this year anyway, right? Um, so if you had offered Kevin Knox and the second, that was better than the Heat package, maybe you could have gotten Oladipo and taken a shot. So those two things surprised me. I'm not saying they were wrong or bad or whatever, um, but those that were was, that was my kind of thoughts coming out of the trade deadline.
2: Colin, you have something on Oladipo. I know you had a take on uh, the Knicks passing on him.
3: I don't recall specifically what we're discussing, but, uh, I agree with, you know, your own that at some point, you know, if that's the price I am, I am genuinely surprised that they didn't get in on it. Um, I would wonder your own, I I would ask you this, and this is just, you know, popping up into my head as we're discussing things. I mean, do you think it's something like the Lonzo ball thing, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. been obviously heavy discussion. Uh, I cover the Chicago bulls mostly for heavy.com. So that's been on my regular radar as well. Uh, do you think it's something to where they're kind of waiting to kind of spend and just go all out on one thing? And that was kind of the hesitance or is it, you know, an organic thing where they're trying to let things build and just see what the ceiling is of the roster as is. Um, Cause obviously the point guard position is just, it's been so long. It's going to have to happen at some point. So not that Oladipo would have solved those problems. I think he would have helped in some areas, but uh, do you think this is a part of the idea that, Hey, this summer, we're going to get our point guard. So for now, let's just kind of see how things build and let's make sure there aren't any other holes. Uh, I'd be interested, just your thoughts.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's it, I, I don't have a good answer for that. I, I, you know, I, this is a question I ask everybody, like, you know, sources, i talk to, or whatever, you know, around the other team, like, what do you get a read on in terms of their is the, the grand plan here. Right. Because they've made a lot of prudent moves and smart moves. They've been slow. Um, I guess, prudent, again, I'll use the same word, prudent and steady and methodical is probably the better word, right? In terms of team building.
3: Yeah, I would um, argue on
1: one side of the fence that not doing anything kind of falls into that category. Correct. And they've made, and I, I've, I've caught myself a few times because I've said they haven't done anything great. They've made a few sa- extra savvy, like Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks have turned out to be, i oh, got my, you got my uh, kids dropping in here. <laughs> guys, I'm, a, I'm on a show, guys. We should keep going. You want to pause it? You tell me. No, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. We're, good. we're gonna keep going. Yeah, we're uh, going um, This is great. I love it. So, <laughs> what was I this is uh, I, the door supposed to be locked. Um, remind me what I was saying, and I will go. as my As my son gives his Knicks takes.
2: <laughs> no, you were just talking about uh, Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks.
1: Right, right, right. So, what I was saying is, <laughs> I have to. <laughs> That's very good. I have to um give them more credit than I have been. Right, like um Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel, a great signing. Like those are really good signings. ones Noel. Has been if you look in terms of the price they paid and the impact he's had. Like if I just tell you in a nutshell, we all we don't think of the Knicks this way. Um, backup centers become the linchpin, or five million dollar players become the, one of the linchpins of the top two defense that is competing for home court advantage in the Eastern Conference, right? Like that's a huge signing that you would say that's a, that's a genius move. So that move's been great. Burks has been great. So they've made some good savvy moves. I would have liked to see them. You know where I get where I get questioned, where I where I question is like I, they haven't weaponized their cap space at all, and that doesn't mean you have to use your cap space. Um, but then like okay, if you're not going to sign somebody, take on a guy for price per pick, right? Do that whole thing you kind of harvest bad contracts for the price per pick. Or I just I would like to see a little more creativity. They don't do that. It makes me wonder what the long term plan is here. You know, we all know the long term plan is you know get the star hunting at one point. Um, who that is is the big question because it's hard when you check off the list, it's hard to figure it out. Um, yeah, the point guard thing they'll have to solve. So I don't, I don't even remember what the original question was. It's, I guess I don't have a good, I don't have a good read on what the full plan is. Leon Rose is not going to be doing the process here. Like this is not a, going to be a twenty-year rebuild. Um, so they have to have something in mind. Um, unless it might not be. Sometimes I just wonder if it's like, you know, what it's the, uh, the Tom Thibodeau. We're going to be smart. We're going to be prudent. But every year we're just going to, from now on, we're just going to try to be like, you know. Not make any ridiculous moves, but just get better, better, little by little, and just see what falls into our laps, right? And that can kind of be the move, the the way to go about it, too.
3: Yeah, that's so, kind of where my thoughts were. Um, and then, you know, while I do have you here, I want to shout out uh, Dwight Howard, Atlanta Hawks legend, uh, uh, <laughs> for his foul per minute leaderboard, whatever it is that you tweeted the other day. That
2: funny. <laughs> is that why you're wearing that? Yeah, yeah. Put it on. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. So I'll stick on the uh, the topic of uh, centers since we're talking Dwight Howard. Um, I guess. And this isn't even really a question as much as just like a talking point. But um, like you mentioned Nerlens Noel is kind of, you know, that five million dollar player kind of ends up being a linchpin. And then earlier you mentioned kind of that Andre Drummond uh, interest would tell us kind of a little bit how the Knicks feel about Mitchell Robinson when they eventually do go for that star. I feel like it's pretty safe to say. Um, I mean, and who knows down the line, but I feel like it's pretty safe to say that Mitchell Robinson probably will be one of those like centerpiece that the Knicks try to use to when they eventually are trying to trade for that star, um, or whatever the case may be, I wouldn't be shocked to see them, you know, decide, all right, we can pass on Mitchell Robinson here if we can get that much out of Noel and, you know, Taj Gibson still seems to bring it every single night. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to kind of see the Knicks part ways with Mitchell Robinson after that. Um, I mean, so one part if he's still here, right? There's the whole mm-hmm. yeah. Uh,
1: he's definitely to the qualifying offer and accepting mm-hmm. a great while to go to that. But I would say also, I mean, that's where a lot of there are a lot of smart NBA people who say don't pay for centers unless mm-hmm. if it's not one a center, right? If it's not Rudy Gobert or Joel Embiid or whatever, um, don't do the Steve Adams contract, right? Mm-hmm. Like that part doesn't make sense because you can find. Rashawn Holmes types, neuron's Noel types who can fill your role for, you know, $5 million a year and do fine. Is is Cat a 1B? I mean, the Cat thing is interesting because I'm of the opinion that, like, at some point you have to do some winning. I know exactly. I, I come yeah. from the
3: same place. That's why I kind of asked. Um,
1: but then again, you know, we saw I, – so I guess, yeah, Anthony Davis is a 1B, I guess, if you want to think of it. Playing with LeBron, I would still consider him a 1A. Like, it – I do, we do. I believe that. I believe players can elevate winning and I believe great players should elevate and create winning. But we've also seen plenty of examples where some players are just, if they're freed and if you surround them with just a little bit more of talent and competency, um, it can make a world of a difference. And you can be like, oh, wait, now I, yes, I forgot. This guy is awesome. We were all stupid, right? Like Devin Booker is kind of a good example, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not, not exactly the same, but oh, wait, we have good coaching. Made, we may some players. Things will work out. I We
3: remember he's actually a stud. Right. Yeah, maybe yeah. a little lower on the uh on the board but i'd argue that joyous Randall in the same kind of category i think as, as far as devin booker no as far as what you're own saying about surrounding them with competency and, and putting things in front of them the, the tools that they need to to really thrive as as players and you know on on the basketball court i think that we've done that with joyous as far as the overturn from last season to this season
2: do you guys yeah. disagree no, no, no. I agree. And you also have to give him a lot of credit, too, because he <laughs> put it on himself and worked his ass. That's off. fine. But we also, yeah. you know,
3: we've seen Joyce not play at this level, but he was obviously a player that contributed to winning before he landed in New York, got to New York. Things kind of disappointed. And then now we've rebounded back to where he's way above that mark. That's the only reason I tie it in.
2: I mean, for that one season in New Orleans, he contributed to winning. Yeah. But all, he,
0: yeah. They, like they didn't make the playoffs. So they, they didn't and win a whole lot either yeah the first team that randall's been on that's i mean correct me if i'm wrong but first team that he's going to be going to the playoffs or at the very least the play-in game
2: yeah and he was the at best third sometimes second i guess guy on that new orleans team so
3: yeah fair enough
2: right
0: yeah i guess all uh, right just kind of taking it back here a little bit um one of the things that people are talking about now, because obviously Knicks fans are always going to like look back at the first-round pick and say, oh, we should have taken Donovan Mitchell. We should have taken, you know, Mikel Bridges, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think if the Knicks, your own kind of – do you think that the Knicks weren't so high on Obi Toppin and they went with Halliburton, that would have changed how they went with Quickly later on? Because I know, you know, Will Wesley was adamant about taking Quickly um but i'm just kind of curious about what you think the uh like the hypothetical scenario of the draft room would have uh so to walk me through that again so just like follow the questions you know, yeah, yeah sorry it was like kind of long oh, day, but oh so if the knicks had like didn't have Obi Toppin as their primary target and they went with like halliburton or you know a different guard in that spot do you think they still would have been bullish on quickly at that point um. um lady, yeah, I, I don't. Think, I don't think they're
1: connected. I think. Yeah, I don't think A to B matters. I think it was mm-hmm. very. And even Obi-Toppin fit this, right? It was very much. There is a group of people we're selecting from, and they mm-hmm. are people that we have some sort of relationships, connections to, right? Um, mm-hmm. That could be either. I mean, you could be a uh, optimist of if you're cynic. You're saying that they're just taking care of people they know. If you're an optimist. You say no. They they see things in these people that others don't, and they, they you know they know they know they're operating with more information, and they can fit, use that to their advantage.
3: I come from the place where I think patience is is a necessary thing with OB this year and I think that a lot of premature observations were made the first couple games and especially after he came back from that injury but when you have a rookie that's 23 years old like where where do the lines intersect right where it's like we have to be patient because he's a rookie but then it's also hey he's already 23 years old like how do you kind of see you know his his path forward if you know if not with the Knicks but just as a player it's a great question, and it's a problem, right? Because you don't want to overreact. And, like, I made fun of myself. And
1: this tweet, like, got way more traction than I thought it would, saying that, like, my R.J. Barrett will never be good take. It's going to be very well. Yeah, wrong. I saw that. So who am I to mention these things? But a couple things. One, it, so OB Topping, I don't, watch, I don't watch any college basketball, right? So I'm not going to pretend to have
3: any scouting taken OB Topping. And I'm the same way, and that's why this has been such a, a pondering point for me throughout the season. So when he come out, one, he's the things he's he has going from his strengths
1: are he's 23, so he's supposed to be older, right, more developed, more ready for the NBA, and he's a really good offensive player. Um, the, the weaknesses, the concerns were, what would his position be? Because he's sort of this – like the new NBA tweener. it used to be like between three and four, and now it's between four mm-hmm. and five, right, where it's you, you're you not quick enough to switch and you can't protect the rim, um, but you need to be a five on – but you're not a good enough shooter to be a wing, right? So you need to be a five on offense and kind of rim running. Um, so he plays that sort of between position where if you're going to do that, you know, you better be a dynamic. There's a reason people brought up Amari Stoudemire at the beginning when it, as I guess ultimate ceiling, right? That, that was not only like the comps, but the, what, almost what the ceiling has to be for him to work. I mean, I, like, you know, sometimes we, com- we compare players to all-stars coming on the draft. That's not fair. Cause if you look at every draft, you get like three all-stars. That's an incredible draft. Right. Um, so, uh, so that but like yeah it's it's a concern there's just two things one Thibodeau clearly doesn't trust him which is fine right clearly he's not he's not showing him anything in practice and makes him think he's worthy of playing major minutes they're not using him in a way that he should be used as like he's he's spotting up most of the time um, as opposed to setting screens run and running that is not accentuating your team's strengths to so your accentuating or working towards your lottery pick strength now it's two parts to look at the struggles one is most lottery picks come in and the team puts them in a position to succeed because that they're, they're invested in them. The Knicks are doing the opposite. It's like a chicken and the egg thing, right? Is that because he looks off all the time? Or is that because they don't try, you know, it's just a bad p- situation and that he's playing out of, out of position and he's not comfortable and then he's looking worse, you know, it becomes a self-fulfilling cycle. Um, those are interesting questions. I do think Knicks fans, I do think it's legitimate to be concerned about like, where does this go? Like what just even from the simple fact of what's his position, you got Julius Randall and RJ Barrett here. Um, where does that? Is there even minutes for OB top on the floor? Just by looking at those two, it would seem to say no.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's weird how it's developed this season, especially, which they can't account for it. You know, you say the chicken or the egg thing, it's weird because obviously they couldn't account it on. And again, but you talk about what they see in practice, right? So it's, I don't know. And I'm not as 100% clear on the timelines with, you know, how much they saw of Julius before the draft, as far as, you know, after the fact and and ultimately deciding to to draft somebody like Obi, you know, over somebody like Tyrese Halliburton who may have filled a better need. Uh, it's very, it's very interesting. And it's weird to have someone that was the eighth overall pick so far on the priority chart. So low on the priority chart, excuse me. Uh, but, you know, they're winning games, which I think for right now is kind of enough to quell any concerns.
0: And I think just, I mean, I'm sure there was, you know, belief in the in the organization that Randall was going to come back, have a good year, because they said, you know, all offseason he was working hard. So I'm sure they expected good things, but I'm not even sure anyone in the Knicks expected Randall to yeah. you know, become an all-star and, you know, lead the Knicks on a playoff hunt. And I think that's something that no one really saw that kind of bump from Randall coming. And it, you know, it's just going to naturally eat into Toppin's minutes. Because Tibbs clearly, you know, he's had enough chances to put him as like a small ball five in that second unit, and he hasn't done it. So clearly, that's not only the only place he's going to play is at the four, and with Randall taking his minutes, it just becomes tough for him uh, from a development perspective.
3: Especially the game without Noel, the fact that we didn't see that to me was the final word. Like, hey, like Obi small ball five is not happening. Like, if we didn't get it when Noel was out, we're not going to get it at all this season. Mm.
2: And Tibbs is clearly averse to Obi and Randall at the same time. He's just not going to do that. And like, I mean, he just doesn't trust him. He doesn't. Yeah, I don't trust know if Robert I can blame him at
3: this point, but yeah, no,
2: he just ma- he makes a lot of mistakes. I get, but the the criticism of his defense was completely overblown. I think. I think he's a lot better defensively. He's further along defensively. I would say he's not exactly going to protect the rim for you,
1: and that's a problem if you Yeah. You're, um,
2: mm-hmm. if you're
1: big, big yeah
2: definitely and I mean he's and it's Tibbs Tibbs of course is gonna play New Noel and Taj Gibson over Obi Toppin I mean that's not even a discussion that's why that's why he's
1: that's why he's so successful that's
2: why Tibbs is Tibbs
1: man he's doing a good job I mean it's like so last was it so we're talking Thursday Wednesday was a win I don't even have track of days keep track of days anymore Wednesday night against the Pelicans when like Noel and Mitchell Robinson are out, and Taj Gibson's playing, and they still have like play great defense. So yeah, obviously there's there's a lot of scheming going on that's working. That's really been really fun to
3: watch, honestly. Yeah, and that's to me Wednesday night's game is a lot of reason, a lot of the reason why I trust it, um, because you know without their two best rim protectors, the Knicks still had a did a, a pretty good job, albeit against uh, Stephen Adams and, and Jackson Hayes. Uh, it's definitely. It's it's a real deal, and I, and I'm hoping that we get to see it uh, shine a little bit in the playoffs.
2: Is New a well defensive player of the year candidate? No, but is he going to get votes? I mean,
1: uh, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, the fine, the fine candidate. Like I don't know, you have like it's a Ben Simmons where you go, back, I mean, I guess like somebody can get random people get votes all the time. So I don't know, you know, but yeah, I that.
0: well, yeah, just I don't think his role is is big enough to be like in the conversation really
2: maybe all maybe all defense is a better question like could he get on an all defense team because he's been so good on a defense on a top defense in the nba
3: i mean i think games like wednesday hurt his case for anything
2: oh i don't know i just think he's and he's filled in for mitchell robinson and he's been he's been just as good or better than mitch was
1: I don't think no. you see. I don't think there's enough minutes there. I guess not.
3: Uh, New Orleans Noel is, uh, to me, what you know at one point RJ was to your own, and the fact that I owe him an apology. I mean, he's been really good this year, but uh, <laughs> I think it is what it is. You know, it's
0: yeah. I think he's played too many, like, too. You know, I mean, Mitch has been out for a while this year, but I, I don't think I don't think New Orleans is has has started or is going to play in enough minutes to to get in on that and get in over, you know, guys like Embiid. And, well, even though he's missed games too, but, you know, Embiid, Gobert, like some of those, those big name guys who are just like prime time guys.
3: Your own RJ Barrett wing defender. How do you grade him? Because it's the, the crowd of Knicks fans is largely mixed. I, I think he's I, good. I come from the side that I think he's definitely good, but a lot of times I, the, the system doesn't help in and it being this year that it's instituted obviously, but, I think he's a good wing defender. I'm sorry, you think people people don't?
1: I, I think he's good. He, he works hard. First of all, he's got the size, which is huge. Um, he's big, He's big, right? He's someone who can really guard one through four. Maybe he'll struggle with ones a little bit, but really guard up um, in terms of the size. I think he moves his feet. He tries. Um, I don't know. He's a 20-year-old kid in his second year. I, I, I think he's a good defender. I, I'm surprised. Maybe I, I'm not plugged in enough with uh, Nick's Twitter. I'm surprised to hear you say that people um, are down on his defense.
3: I have, I mean, I have found that as a, as a mixed bag in talking points a lot of the time, which is surprising to me, and, and enough so to where you know I asked the question. Um, I think the kid's a stud, you know. Both, I think, with with
0: Barrett too, and this is this goes for both sides, offense and defense. I think we don't even we don't even see kind of like where he can he can end up as a player just because he's 20 years old. He's going to get a lot stronger in the next few years. Where he's already bullying people inside, you know, he knows how to use his body. I think offensively and defensively, when he gets strong, um, like your own said, he's going to be able to guard one through four, and he's going to be able to body up fours inside if he needs to. I think kind of just him getting a little bit bigger and stronger and growing into his body is going to be huge. And I I buy the three point shot for what it's worth.
2: I don't think big enough sample size now. Yeah, I don't think it'll be
3: at that at that uh, you know uh, higher clip, but. He's gonna be a consistent three point shooter for sure. Yeah. He doesn't need
2: he doesn't need to take a lot. If he can if he can just attack the basket like this and shoot from mid-range like this, why would he take as many uh why would he take so many spot uh take so many spot up threes? I mean the corner three is that's working. It's a roster for him right question, now. but yeah. No, it's a roster question, yeah. I mean but if they add more spot up shooters, then he's not gonna to need to be just gunning threes. So that's not really a. But your own, I know we need to get you out of here. Your time is very valuable. We don't want to keep you too long. So I have, I have uh, one more question for you and it goes back to uh, your post article. And uh, I know, and uh, I know you obviously did uh, a lot of research for it for a long time. Is there one thing that stood out and surprised you (laughs) the most about this uh, front office? Um
1: the most. Like, well, the funny answer is that, you know, the Wesley changing his shirt. You yes. Know, <laughs> that's the funny answer. The serious like about the Knicks answer is that um, you know, how much they're betting on the idea that like they're this grouping's relationships can overcome all, right? And like mm-hmm. maybe overcome some of the different viewpoints. Um and I find that interesting and it's two ways to look at it, right? Sometimes family sometimes you get along really well you know each other really well and that can work well sometimes family and business together creates issues right um go either it's gonna be i have no idea what's gonna happen it's gonna be really fascinating to follow though over these next two three four maybe more who knows years right now everything's going really well yeah because they're
2: winning and and exactly. I mean, you. That's, that. that's the question. Yeah. yeah. When if You're, that wasn't
3: happening, are we still where we are? Yeah. Our
2: tib yeah. Our Tibs and Brock all are still coexisting. If they're
1: not. <laughs> exactly. In the playoffs. Nice. Yeah. That's a, Listen, a lot of luck. Things take luck, right? Or you never know. <laughs> yeah. A little with some winning and some you know, solves all. You get a lucky in a lottery pit, whatever it is, and things you know, sliding door scenarios where things yep. change because things work. So it's yeah, we need.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Yaron, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate that. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug before we sign off here?
1: Sure. You can check out my podcast, White'sman Can't Jump, where uh, all podcasts are. And I'm writing a bunch of different stuff for a bunch of different places. It's usually all on Twitter. I had an article um, in the ringer yesterday. on am like the anonymous GM kingmaker headhunters hiring GMs and wrote about Damian Lillard and Fox sports and sort of the dawn of Dane time. And I have an article coming up tomorrow, I think at five 38 on how Zion Williamson gets his shot blocked more than anyone else in the league. Um, so yeah, check out all that
3: stuff.
2: That's right. Obviously, there'll be
3: a large subsection on Norvel Pell blocking him.
2: that tracks that it seems like Zion it's like Ben Roethlisberger getting sacked more than anybody else that tracks yeah all right well thank you and everybody check out your own and uh stay safe we appreciate you listening
0: all right so three of us me myself Danny Chip and Colin we're sticking around and we are going to start diving into some eastern conference uh playoff standings and, and the, uh, the playoff hunt here, because obviously the three of us were all Knicks writers. Colin also writes about the bulls at heavy.com. So we kind of have been, uh, the three of us have been monitoring this Eastern conference pretty closely, especially with the play in tournament coming up this year. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, I know there's been a lot of confusion about how the playing tournament works. So it's the seven and the eight seed will play each other one game winner becomes the seventh seed. The loser of that game will play the winner of a game between the ninth and 10th seeds. So then the winner of that second game between the loser of the first game and the winner of the second game will become the eight seed. So essentially if you were the seven or the eight seed, you have to win one game to make the playoffs. If you were the nine or 10 seed, you need to win two games. So I know there's a lot of confusion there, but just wanted to kind of spell that out. Yeah, Uh, shout out to
3: Adam Silver for making that a very wide known, clarified concept.
0: Yeah, honestly. Because nobody knows anything about the fucking play in. Even, yeah, yeah, we only had 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 the the Grizzlies and the the Blazers
3: last year. So,
0: one of those things, I have this like weird thing. Like, I just, I like tournaments and I like like double elimination tournaments with teams and like softball tournaments. Like, I just, brackets have always intrigued me, probably from watching college basketball as a kid. But I remember like looking this up a while ago and being like, oh, wow, it's like an interesting, you know, that's a cool thing. And I didn't think of anything of it. And then in the last week or so, I've seen like tons of people on Twitter, like just with no clue how it works. And even like some, you know, NBA writers and NBA personalities who, you know, you would expect to to know. And I guess, you know, the league is just not really hasn't hasn't really done a good job of explaining it. Um, but that's where we are. So I'll just, I'll read down the list of the Eastern conference standings right here. We got Sixers are in first place after beating the nets, the shorthanded nets, but it goes Sixers nets, then bucks are three. The Atlanta Hawks are four. It's a surprise to me. I did not have them in the playoffs before the year, but, uh, so then Celtics at five Knicks are at six right now. They have a half game lead over the heat who are in seventh. The Hornets are in eighth at 500. Um, And then you have the Pacers and the Bulls right now, two teams under 500. Those are the nine and 10 seeds, but you have in 11 and 12, you have the Raptors and the streaking wizards. You have those two teams breathing down Chicago's necks. As we were just talking about during the break, Zach Levine got his name, right? Zach Levine is going to be out for a few games now. Um, That could really hurt the Bulls. Um, But I guess I'll just, now that I kind of, Got all that housekeeping out of the way. Um, I'll turn it over to you guys. How do you how do you think about the Knicks' chances of avoiding the play-in tournament? And then I guess second part of that question is if they do make the play-in tournament, is there a team you want to see? Um, is there a team you want to see the Knicks play in that play-in tournament game? Of not all
2: happening. the teams you don't think they're gonna be in the
3: playing game? No, I think right now what they have is sustainable. I agree with that.
2: I also but. don't trust the
3: heat. And I want to so badly. I trust them if they went through the playing tournament and got into the playoffs, but I don't trust them to climb back up the rankings.
0: So you, you essentially, you trust the heat when their backs are against the wall and not in the regular season. That's yeah. Fair.
3: Yeah. As somebody who watched uh, 75% of their season last
0: year, that's, I, I can comfortably sit on that Hill. I think that's, that's, fair. that's fair. And I, I kind of, I do agree with you guys. I think, they have a pretty good chance to make that succeed or, you know, even higher. They could they could get all the way up um, to four, I think, pretty much. It's realistic. Um, my problem that I'm seeing with the Knicks is just that, that West Coast road trip that I'm sure um, a lot of people have kind of like peeked ahead at the schedule and looked at um, because it starts with, I believe, the Rockets. Yeah, it starts with the Rockets, which obviously that's a winnable game. Then you have the Grizzlies, another winnable game. Knicks just beat them. Um, but the in Grizzlies, overtime. Yeah, Grizzlies are pretty good. And then after that, it goes Nuggets, Suns, Clippers, Lakers all on the road. That's a six game Western Conference road trip that if they escape three and three out of that, I think you take that as like a, a gigantic win. Um, but my problem is just seeing the possibility of them going two and four or one and five, and then kind of slipping out of that six slot that five slot maybe and drop into the seven or the eight because I, I just I think it's gonna to be tough for them to kind of get over that hump um on that Western conference road trip. Uh that's their toughest road trip of the year and it comes at the toughest time.
3: So I guess you can't talk about that without talking about the heat's immediate slate as well. Uh, and it's not even as close to as difficult. So the day after so what is this today's Thursday, if we haven't clarified that enough. So Miami's in Minnesota on Friday night. Then they host the Nets. Then they host the Rockets. Then they go to San Antonio. Then they go to Atlanta. Then they host the Bulls twice. uh So yeah, they could. I mean, they could overlap the Knicks. I mean, pretty easily. I think it's just dependent upon they have so many games in so many days. I forget what the number was. It's like what was it they have so many games in like 21 days because of all the cancellations from the front end of the season right because of covid so it's if they're gonna if they can withstand that then they may actually uh climb over the Knicks. Uh, but i'm also very perplexed by the hawks and i don't know how real that is
2: what do you mean you don't know how real that is
0: i mean you saw how
3: bad they were in the first half of the season
0: yeah, I've always I've been a Hawks hater for years now. Yeah, I'm, I'm very. Smart. I'm wearing an Atlanta shirt. I'm telling. They're you the 16 Hawks aren't and real. five.
3: They're
2: 16 and five under Nate McMillan.
0: I know that's. Is it? Is it, Is that like just? Are we past the point of you know you change the coach up, you get a little boost, and then you come back down to earth? Are we past that point of like them coming back down to earth? And I agree. Like, is this real? Oh just to echo Colin, is it? Are they? For Games the court, is a little or, bit
2: more than that. Yeah. Don't you think? I mean, it's a big enough sample size. Maybe it's more than Nate McMillan
3: and just a lot of these. I would guys be shocked healthy. if they won a game <laughs> in a playoff series.
2: A single game? You don't think they can win
3: again? Who are they going to beat in a game in a playoff series?
2: In a game, who are they I mean, going to be? Seriously, what is that even like? They can't beat the set. Like the Celtics look great. Like, are the these Hawks
3: so- better than the best version of the Orlando Magic that went to the playoffs the last two years? I'm not sure about that. Danny's giving me a look but
0: like I'm not sure about it. I'm that. giving you a look cuz I'm just thinking about it. That's an interesting interesting question. The Hawks are
3: fine, but I just yes, think that Yes, they are. They are
2: better than the Orlando
0: Magic. They are. They have a better player than the Orlando Magic. Ever. Uh, I'd take Young. I love I, Trey.
3: I love Trey.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. I I think Trey's better than anyone they had, which
2: well, to me,
0: that makes me think that they could win. A now, playoff chips playoff. is starting they to come around. They could win a playoff game because, like, all you need, and obviously, like, all you need is easy to say. But a forty-five just, points from Trey Young, yeah, a big game. Okay, from Trae, yeah, yeah, thirty and ten. You know, a game like Small smaller by all has, means. I mean, we saw the we saw that Magic team a few years ago beat the Raptors, who went on to win the whole thing. You know, just because, what was it, DJ Augustine went off and had a big game? Like, Yeah, that's fair. I I think Trey is capable of that, too. Um, And, I I mean, just to kind of take it back to the Knicks, like I don't see the Knicks, even if they get up to like six or five or four, I don't see the Knicks winning a playoff series. You could see them maybe stealing a game from the Nets or the Sixers in a series just because, you know. I don't think
3: there's anybody in the East that the Knicks won't steal a game from. I
0: mean, at some point you have to acknowledge the defense for what it is. It is that good. But I, it, I still think I still think they're basically gentlemen sweeping the first round if they play. That's fine.
3: It, Look, that's I mean, the next step. You know, that's the next uh, notch yeah, on the I, ladder.
0: I, I wouldn't uh, – yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it's like a, a disaster or anything because I think in the NBA an important thing is like just to keep progressing. Like if you, if you miss the playoffs one year, you make the playoffs next year, good. You made a step. Like next year, Knicks, their goal should be getting out of the first round. You know, it's like – you've seen, I think a good team is like the nuggets, you know, the nuggets went from being like the, just missing out on the playoffs in that, you know, that last game of the year to the Timberwolves. Then the next year they make the playoffs. Then the next year they beat the Spurs and they win a series, but they lose. Then the next year they go to the Western conference finals, obviously like they would have to go to the NBA finals to keep on this trajectory. But I just, I think like in terms of team building, that's how I like kind of judge where, where you're going. Um, as an organization
2: Yeah they've done things expertly though The Nuggets Not many teams really do it Like yeah. they do it I mean people act like the Celtics Have done it that way But the I mean, Nuggets have really done it If
3: we're being realistic It all started when they drafted Carmelo That was This was the end game For when hey. they drafted Carmelo Was that they knew Jamal Murray years.
0: Jamal Murray was the in the Carmelo trade You know I And mean, it's that The Carmelo trade remnants of it are still there
2: carmelo is benefiting the nuggets still today that's the bottom line yeah
0: Yeah. um
3: no i I like the pacers i think that they will be in the play-in i would love
2: to see the pacers if we were in
3: the play-in i would love to see them i would again there's nobody i wouldn't want to see in the play-in as far as like the eligible pool
2: but more so than – well, I guess if somehow the Hornets ended up in there. I mean, because just because I don't think the Bulls are going to be there. The Bulls. Well,
3: that's my point, is that I think the Bulls are going to fall off now. Uh, yeah. Danny, I was telling Chip, Sham says 10 to 14 days minimum for Levine. Yeah, that's tough. 10 days, he misses five games. That's tough. So, they're already on a four-game skid. They only have a one game lead. If I'm correct over the Raptors and the wizards wizards are playing good ball right now. Bradley Beal says that he's found his rhythm who has a bigger chance of doing anything with their charity playoff berth between the Raptors and the wizards. Would
2: that be MVP candidate Bradley Beal?
3: No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Becca Winker MVP <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, That's the only place she can hear me. Cause she has me blocked, but, uh, yeah, Bradley Beal is not an MVP candidate for anybody listening. No. Um, um, no, but do either of those teams have a legitimate shot at doing anything with getting into the playoffs? Because obviously they would have to go through the play-in first. Um, but this opens things back up for them. Um, Toronto, you know, they kept Kyle Lowry through the trade deadline. Now all of a sudden they maybe have something to play for. Uh, the Wizards, they have Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. They're going to play as hard as they can until – the last game is over and they're out of the playoff picture or they lose that play in tournament. Uh, What do you guys make of, of their odds, you know, between those two teams? Because I'm just completely disqualifying the Cavaliers from doing anything. Apologies to Cleveland fans.
0: No, I I think that's fair. I disqualify them also. Uh, (laughs) But I would say out of the Raptors and the, the wizards, and I know this is probably going to make Chip mad, but I would say the wizards just because I think with the Raptors have kind of like, like, Yes, they still have Lowry. Yes, Nick Nurse is still a good coach. Like they still have good pieces there. They're not like a terrible team. But I just think when you have someone playing as good, and he's obviously not MVP, but Bradley Beals, he can score, he can shoot the lights out. Russell Westbrook is not the MVP type player that he was, you know, in OKC. He's obviously gone downhill a little bit since then. Uh, But Russell Westbrook is still a solid player. And The Wizards to me, they can just like score with anybody. So I don't think they're going to beat the Nets or beat the Sixers in a, in a seven game series, but like I wouldn't be shocked to see them kind of take one of those teams a little bit off guard and by surprise and maybe win one of the first two games kind of make it look like it might be a series. Um, But I just, I don't see if the Raptors make it into the playoffs and they're playing against either the Sixers or the Nets. I just don't see them hanging around just because the Nets, Nets have way too much offensive firepower and the Sixers do too, but then the Sixers on top of it, they have you know that heartbreak from a couple of years ago against the Raptors. I can see the Sixers just wanting to put them away in four games, you know, not even giving them a glimmer of hope. Um but I chip,
3: I assume you're gonna say
2: Raptors. I wanna say Raptors just because you know I, I want Kyle Lowry to be in there, but they just look at times they look like such a disaster and you There's no point in betting on the Raptors to make the playoffs, but I mean, the door is wide open for them to get in there right now with the bulls going down. And I'm, I'm on the
3: Raptors to be honest with you.
2: Yeah. I I have more faith in the Toronto Raptors than I do in Russell Westbrook with it running around like a chicken with his head cut off. And I know they have Bradley Beal too, but they it's, still have I mean, Russell Westbrook.
3: And it's bigger than that, right? Like, I don't know if I want to say this on something that's being recorded. Is it possible that the Wizards have more talent on their team? Is that, I mean, is that a hot take? Am I stretching this too far?
0: Am I just not thinking? I don't, I don't think that's too hot of a take. It's close. They, Let's they just have, say it's they close. Have the, they, have How? The best, they have the best player between both teams. Right. And then I would say Russell Westbrook is right up there with. Pretty much anyone you you want to pick out from the right. The so
2: players. I don't think he's the second best player.
0: I wouldn't say he's the second best, but like he's like, like there's, there's he's, a clear right. one in Beal, yeah. And then after that, you have you know you got Lowry, you got Westbrook, you got um Siakam, if you want to you know include him in there too. Um, obviously, Fred Van VanVleet's pretty good too. So I think probably Toronto has a little bit more depth, but you know of the five best players the wizards have two of them and it's three about- out of five are on the wizards. I would yeah. say. Yeah.
3: Well, and I also wouldn't count out Bertans like he's had like a long season and it hasn't been good. And he's got the same hangover that everybody gets when they sign these big deals. Like I'm a Carolina Panthers fan. Christian McCaffrey played two games or three games this season after signing this big contract. Like it's just what happens. And, and the lens is shifted and, and you have to look at things mm-hmm. differently once that happens. But my argument would be, and it is rare that I go to war for the Toronto Raptors. But right now, how many people on that team are left over from the championship team? They have done this thing. They have been together and done this thing. They know what it looks like, and they know how to play off each other. They're comfortable with each other. They are a unit. They still have their head coach. They have Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Lee, Uh what's the kids on nobi excuse me, Uh Pascal Siakam. They just got Ken Birch a little breath of fresh air. Like, I think that if they were put into a play in tournament and they, and they won that per se, that to get into the playoffs, like maybe there's a chance that a switch flips, right? Like, Hey, like we've been here before, like we played a full, how many games did they win that series? Was it, uh did they play uh 12 or 13 games, something like that in the playoffs? Which last year? I don't know off the top of that. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no. The I year before know. when they won it. For the for the sake of the argument, though, you guys get what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah. The Raptors yeah. have been in that situation so many times. The Wizards. When's the last time Bradley Beal went to the playoffs? The Rockets. I mean, not the Rockets. Russell Westbrook was in the playoffs with the Rockets. Got embarrassed. Like, these guys are not a unit yet, no matter who's in rhythm and who's not, and they're so dependent upon, hey, Russell Westbrook feels good today. Okay, no, Russell Westbrook doesn't feel good today. His hamstring's bothering him. Oh, Bradley Beal doesn't want to play defense today because he's moody and he doesn't like how the Wizards are playing. Like, there's nothing cohesive about the Wizards right now. That's why they are a team that scores 140 every night because it is so much isolation play. Like, I'm taking the Raptors of the Wizards 11 days out of 10.
2: Wow. Just Colin the, is taking the Raptors.
0: Just for the record, I, I think say, the, last time, the last time the Wizards were in the playoffs was when Kelly Oubre and Kelly Olynyk fought. I think that was, and that, I still yeah. have
3: a screenshot of Kelly Oubre standing over Kelly Olynyk. I still have that screenshot in my phone. It's one of the earliest photos because I just can't delete it because it's so fucking badass. Yeah, you
0: got you got to keep um, you got to have that. <laughs> to keep the memory alive for Oubre
3: because fans are not happy with where he's at right now. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Tsunami Poppy. Me, the Raptors. I want to see the Raptors make a run. Um, they got so much left in the tank, I think. And so does Kyle Lowry. It would be the great way to audition for his new role on the New York Knicks next year. Um, uh, I would love that personally.
2: Lowry versus Tibbs in the play-in game. You mean
0: no, incorrect? No. No, he's saying Knicks make it in already, and then Lowry uses the playoffs to audition for the Knicks job. Then he gets the bag from Leon and company. A a nice two-year fat...
2: He doesn't need to audition. He's already getting paid.
3: I'm just romanticizing. Did you really have to dig into the specifics? He's building up the narrative. Yeah. all right, fine.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Two years, $60 Kyle. Who do the
3: New York Knicks want? Do New York (laughs) Knicks want the guy that the Raptors didn't trade and then he just kind of stuck around for like 15 games? Or do they want the guy that went into the play-in and brought those guys out of it, and he won two games in a playoff series?
2: like Won three games. He's taken the – no, he's taken the – You see what I'm
3: saying? He's taken the
2: Nets to seven games in the first round. Lowry's taken the Nets to seven games in the first round. Yeah, well, I mean, Kyrie's only going to play two games. so Exactly. Kyrie's got something going on at home. Yeah, so he doesn't want to yeah. be there for two of those games.
3: Shout out to Kyrie, you are the yeah. most complex human being I've ever witnessed. Wow, no idea what's going on. <sighs> yeah, no. no Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be fun. Nothing matters aside from the top
0: three, in my opinion. I don't know if you guys would argue, but I think I think the Heat still are dangerous because I don't like I, I I don't disagree with you, Colin. That like I wouldn't be shocked to see him in a play in game, which wouldn't obviously be great for them. But I also think they're one of those teams. Like, you got Jimmy Butler, you got Bam Adebayo, you got all these like role players. Like, I wouldn't as be long shocked. as you
3: have Jimmy Butler, you are still that,
0: in it. That's what I mean. I wouldn't be
3: shocked. That goes for all aspects of life, not just them, basketball.
0: If they were to play the Bucks in the first round or the second round, something like that, I would not be surprised to see them give the Bucks more issues, just because they seem like a team to me that when the lights are brightest, they're just they they know each other so well, they're so cohesive and connected. I wouldn't be shocked to see them like kind of just go on, maybe not another NBA finals run ne- necessarily, but I wouldn't be shocked if we're sitting here at the Eastern Conference Finals and they're matched up against uh, you know, the Heat or, or uh excuse me, the Nets or or Philly or Milwaukee. I would not be shocked. I think my
3: biggest concern with the Heat is that they don't have Kelly O'Linick anymore because he was instrumental for them in that finals run last year. And a lot of people don't talk about that. He is a big piece for them. He was one of the longest tenured guys there, like. They gave him up for Victor Oladipo, yes, but if Victor Oladipo doesn't perform to standard, they are going to wish that they had Olenek for this run. If I like, yeah, but if your season falls apart over Kelly Olenek, yeah,
0: then I think you got bigger issues. Yeah, I mean that's
3: fine, but they're in the playoffs, is what I'm saying, and like Olenek had big moments last year, and I think he is a piece for them that again. A, I'm a big believer in, like, what has already been established and, and the value of that over something that is fresh and, like, new. Like, I think the Heat, like, and you bring up the Bucks too, and that's a great example, right? Like, the Bucks are slightly modified, like they do have Drew Holiday now. Uh, but there is some remnants of the fact that, hey, like, the Heat, like, whipped their ass last year, and mm-hmm. they were injured, whatever, off and on. Like, that comes into play as well. Uh, but, no, I mean, I guess whatever. I'm just I think, idiot. I like, I think I like my- Kelly.
0: My devil's advocate, and I like Kelly Olenek, so I'm not trying to bash him or anything. But the argument against that is like, so the Nets got a lot better this year from where they were last year. Philly got a lot better from where they were last year. You could even, you know, I know the Bucs are not first place and like dominating, but you could even argue that the Bucs are better off than they were last year getting Drew. Um, so I don't think, like, I think the Heat had to realize that, hey, we can't just run it back with what we have and expect to go on this run and beat, you know, just beat these teams like we did last year. I think they're kind of, their their rationale had to change of like, all right, everyone else is evolving. Everyone else is getting better. How are we going to keep pace with that? Which obviously if Oladipo's hurt, he doesn't play up to his standards, you know, any of that, it backfires. But I think that's like kind of where you justify taking that swing.
3: Yeah, it made sense to trade for him because he wanted to be there anyway. No, it never didn't make sense. I was just saying, as far as a playoff mm-hmm. run for them, yeah. Lenny played a big role last year. Yeah,
0: it's and it's sometimes it's those weird, you know, like complimentary guys that end up, you know, shifting how a team plays in a big spot. It's you never know. You never know.
3: Yeah, Reggie Bullock's uh, nine three-point performance in the playoffs this year is going to be huge.
2: <laughs> I would love. Couldn't to get see to the ten heat. though. From, I couldn't get from, to ten.
3: I would love to see the Heat get years.
2: bounced. In in the play in game. I would love to see that. Just the Raptors bounce the heat in the playoff game, in the play in game. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Um
3: yeah, whatever. I don't know if anybody's catching the nets. Shout out to LMA. All love. Yeah. Hope he, yeah. uh hope he stays healthy with his family and whatnot.
2: That's uh, sad. Blake man. Griffin's
3: just gonna continue being an asshole, unfortunately. But
2: uh what do you got against Blake?
3: I don't, I just, it's hilarious to me, like the way that he's handling things.
2: What'd do he do? I didn't even see. I,
3: the, the way that he's, I'm sure you saw the quote where he's like, Hey, like everybody was saying I was ass last year and like, Oh, now all that the yes. Nets and it's like, Oh, like we're a super team. Like, yes, motherfucker. Like that's how sports works. Yeah. Like how long have you been playing professional basketball? Like that's what fans do. Like, um, give me anything but the nets in the finals. That's all I ask.
2: I don't think you're gonna get anything but that. So it's, you're gonna,
3: it, it's on, gonna I'm be surprising. On, I'm counting on this guy hey, right here coming the up Hawks, big. Hawks second up, up big in a, in a big. You're matchup. counting on the Hawks. The four you're counting, you're on, counting on, the Hawks. on Dwight Howard. Counting on Dwight Howard coming up big.
0: The four seeded Hawks are taking down the one seeded Nets in the second. All right. Round of playoffs. You guys heard it I here first. It.
3: Nate
2: McMillan.
0: Yeah. Coach of the Ac- year.
2: Accomplished playoff coach Nate McMillan, gonna pull off the upset. There it is. <laughs> right. Colin hated the Hawks before the year, too. I'm,
3: I'm, I do hate the
2: Hawks.
0: I'm not high on the Hawks either. I'm not high yeah. on either.
2: I love Kevin Herter. That's where you're mistaking. That's true. He does love Kevin Herter. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that was a common thing to just trash the Hawks for all the money they spent. So Yeah, well, they
3: suck. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, they suck. They're they've 16 of their last 21, they won. They suck. Danny, do you know what the Hawks' record is over
0: the last twenty-one games? I'm just curious.
2: Sixteen and five is what uh, it is. I
0: would probably have to check out Basketball Reference. And-
2: okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe after the show. A shout out StatMuse, their Twitter account. True story.
0: All right. Any, uh, any, any last thoughts here before we uh, we close up shop on Eastern Conference standings?
2: I'm good. No, I'm no. good. I'm good. We clear.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, we clear.
0: I think I think that's it for uh for us this week on the Nick's State of Mind uh podcast. Thanks again everyone for tuning in and sticking it out with our uh our dumbasses going back and forth here.